everyone wants to go on the journey. Everyone wants to be on the journey. Everyone wants to get to this destination. But especially us as black people, we have so much trauma. We have so much packed inside that we've got generational trauma, right? Trauma from our parents and their parents and oppression and like all these things we're carrying around. And, and like Erica Badu said, you know, like we all became like bag lady and men. Like we have all this shit that we are carrying around and we never unpack it, right? That's how you do your, your mental health checks, like your therapy or whatever it is, wherever it looks like to you. Those to me are like unpacking stages that we can take to just unpack. Unpack so we have like room to fill up with the things we want in our life. Hello everyone, my name is Walt and I would like to welcome you to the Boss Logs Podcast, a show where we are redefining professionalism, elevating black voices, and proving that natural hair and professionalism do coexist. Now we do this by speaking to black leaders, CEOs, and just people with like incredible perspectives and just doing some really great things in the world to learn about their personal journey through life and their experiences working while black. Now, today I have the honor and privilege of speaking to Ashley Limehouse. Ashley how are you doing today? Good. How are you? Thanks I'm for having good. me. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm excited to have you um, on the show. Uh, one, you're from my hometown, Charleston, South Carolina, and I always like to represent Charleston's finest. Everyone out here doing some great things. You know, I, I moved away, but I want to shout out everyone who's <laughs> still there and everything, man. That's will forever be the hometown. So, yeah, right. definitely excited for this. Yeah. And um, for those who do not know, if you're not from Charleston or just haven't run into her yet, Ashley is a yoga, meditation, and wellness director who creates spaces to explore the act of mindfulness through meditation, um, celebrating culture, experiences, and um, therapeutic conversations. You know, she's also has a global reach working with organizations and another continent, Africa, to be particular, to work with people who are really craftsmen and bring things to life and just empowering people all over the world. And it's pretty awesome. So I have a bunch of questions to ask you today, Ashley, but to start it all off, I'm wondering, um, what are the three things that most people don't know about you? Um, Let's see. Um, probably one that I'm more introverted than extroverted. I think people automatically think I'm an extrovert because when I teach yoga and, and I'm a Leo, but <laughs> I actually like a long time a lot. So, and you know, I, I get like social anxiety, just like everyone else. I'm out mm-hmm. and I don't know. I think teaching and leading is, it feels like a different space, but outside of that, I'm definitely like homebody kind of person, you know? So that's probably one. And most times when I tell people that they're like, no, you're not actually, you're not an introvert. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, people never believe us when we say introvert. Like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> like, why aren't you inside under a cover or something? Like, like, not I wish that. I was. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and I would say that um, I have a six-year-old son. Most people don't know that. I'm a, I'm a pretty private person. So I have a six-year-old son. His name is Ashton. He was named after me. So, yeah, he's a nice. lot and I love him very much. I just don't feature him on my social media much just because I'm a, I, I'm private with relationships. I'm private with my family. So, that, and, um, 
Let's see. Oh, maybe I've worked in wellness for almost 12 years um, before becoming a yoga teacher. So I was a chiropractor assistant and a bodywork therapist um, for most of those years. Um, I managed a spa on IOP or Owl Palms if you live in Charleston. And yeah, I'm actually a licensed esthetician as well. So I've, I've pretty much have done a lot of different fields under wellness umbrella. And so, and then a couple, a few years ago, I shifted into yoga, which I've practiced for over 10 years. And then uh, I decided to become a teacher. So, yeah. That's pretty awesome. So before even entered into the field of leading yoga, you've spent 12 years as like a chiropractor assistant? Yeah, chiropractor assistant, working on athletes. Um, and it's been uh, like high school athletes, uh, PGA professionals. Um a few NFL players. So yeah, I've worked on mostly athletes in the neuromuscular or sport massage. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty. Do you ever miss, miss that work? No, (laughs) (laughs) I don't miss it. Uh, The last chiropractor I worked for, he was like, you sure you want to change your mind? I'm like, no, I just want to focus on yoga. And I've done that for like years. So I don't know. I loved having patients and clients and, and people I've worked on that I had a good relationship with, but it was time to move on. You know, you know, you just know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. So, and um, now you practice yin yoga, but was that something that you just started off doing or um, what, um, what was that first type of yoga that you were leading? So in my original uh, 200 hour training, it covered yin as well. Yeah. So it covered like uh, vinyasa full, um, some power um, yoga, um, prenatal trauma sensitive yin. So all was under that umbrella, but it was in my training that I like was slowly drifting towards yin because it, it resonated more with me and my style. Like, I mean, I played sports my whole life. So it was like, it was so opposite of what I'm used to. So I'm, I'm more used to that very like vigorous, like practice and very like masculine. If we're speaking about yoga terms, very masculine practice, right? Like basketball, volleyball, track and field. And yen is like the opposite. It's very slow down, very like content practice. Like, you know, it's almost like meditation and movement. So I don't know. I just felt very pulled to that. And I don't know if it's after having my son and it's just kind of like I wanted to slow down a bit more um, I don't know, but it's definitely not what I thought I would be teaching, but it's the one thing that called to me during my original training. So afterwards, mm-hmm. I took additional trainings um, in New York and in Vancouver, Canada um, to just focus on yin. So that's my specialty is yin. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. World traveled learner. Hmm. So mm-hmm. um, going out to Van- you said Vancouver? Yeah, Canada. Yeah. What, um, how, how did that end? Like I would, so I don't really know much about, um, kind of <laughs> yoga training and where to go for it, but, um, what was it about the training program in Canada that brought you there? Yeah. So, I mean, they have trainings throughout the U S right. One. Okay. I'll say this, that I love traveling. Like I, I try to go outside of the U S at least <clears throat> three times a year before, oh, nice. before 2020. All <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> It was just kind of like, and I'm I'm also, I don't know if it's classified as a hard worker, but I, I I feel sometimes wasteful if I'm just taking a trip and not getting anything out of it. So in my mind, I'm always thinking, and it's probably, I, I should just slow down and like take a vacation, but I'm always like, how can I tie a vacation to a training or 
working or something, you know what I mean? So it's not right. in vain otherwise. Um, so I need to get better about that. But um, yeah, I was like, oh, cool. I wanted to check out Canada. And actually the guy that brought yin yoga to the U and not to the U S cause he's, in, he's a Canadian. So he lives, well, he's not in the U S but you know, he lives on this hemisphere, but he, uh, they were one of the first to actually create the practice of yin yoga. And I, and I studied him in my normal training and, you know, my traditional training, and I didn't know that he was still teaching. And so once I saw, Hey, he's in Canada, that's where he teaches the yin training um, for if you were a teacher and you wanted to practice this to be certified in yin and also, you know, additional education, which you would have to do every year anyways, um, hopefully uh, to be a good teacher, right. Just stay on your toes. So um, I was like, okay, cool. The guy that started Yin Yoga is still teaching. So that's a great opportunity. Um, right. I wanted to get his perspective in person, right? I'm like one of those learners. I, I need to be in person, hands-on doing it instead of like online training and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I got a good opportunity to travel <laughs> and to also do a training. And especially because it was dedicated to the type of yoga that I wanted to teach and be good at. Well, that sounds like a no-brainer decision. Right. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty cool. We had that experience to learn in person like that. Because, um, yeah, you're right. So it's, it's totally different to learn via like a Zoom yeah. thing or just watching a recorded video of it. But to be there in person, this is like a whole nother experience. Yeah. You get to like feel the yeah. lesson as well. That's the way I learn best anyways. I'm, a, I guess, classified as the kinesthetic learner, meaning like hands-on kind of. I need That's a little me as well. tangible kind of stuff like right in front of me. Otherwise, I won't remember it, probably. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's something about um, you could watch it, see it, hear it. But when you have the hands on actually applying it, that's yeah. that's yeah, I learned best that way as well. Um, yeah, it's 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 like um, a level two version of learning. That's what I'm going to start calling it. <laughs> yes, I'm a level two learner. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I think um, yoga is such an interesting practice. I remember growing up, I did not take it seriously at all. I remember my dad was trying to get me into it, and I was, like, laughing at him. <laughs> but um, When you were young? Yeah, when I was younger. Well, I, there's a few different times through, like, the school I went to. Every now and then I'd have a yoga person come in, and my dad was kind of pushing for it as well. But I don't think I really took it seriously until – when I was in college playing soccer and at this like this hamstring injury and it was afterwards I was fine, but still every now and I had to really stretch before I started playing, but I was really just doing regular stretches, like bend over, touch your toes and stuff like that. And I went to this yoga class with my mom and it was like a deep tissue type of yoga. And afterwards I went to play a pickup game. I didn't even need a stretch. I just felt like I could do so much more just after that one yoga session and it was, um, oh, was it, did you hold the postures longer? Like, did you hold them? Yeah, from, it might have been yin, you know, it might have. OK, well, I, I like yin. I like that. <laughs> one is yin is one of the only um, practices where you hold it for a longer period of time. Yeah. And so oh, it's true. like deeper work. So connective tissues like deeper, more not superficial like muscles are. Right. So you're looking looking at ligaments, tissues, um, connective tissue, like I mentioned. Um, and fascia that surrounds the bone and stuff. So if you're holding it longer, then yeah, you probably would get out there and feel like you're ready to go. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, I definitely, well, then I definitely need to take one of your classes because, <laughs> um, yeah, big fan of that. And I know um, 
The other experience I had with yoga, which really shocked me. So by then I was already, you know, like definitely a big fan of yoga, but didn't really do it as much. But when I moved to Charlotte, I had this coworker who he was always doing some type of yoga and I always heard like, Oh, such a workout. I was exhausted afterwards. Like, really? Come on now. Come on. (laughs) This yoga is stretching. But then I took the class and that was actually tough. Like I thought I was in shape until I took that class (laughs) and my muscles were sore. I was trying to hold a position and other people were holding. I was like, I'm just shaking (laughs) and everything, man. I took that class and I knocked out afterwards, but yeah, yeah, at the same time, I just felt so alive afterwards. It's, It's so interesting. Um, yeah, if you're a teacher, and you're doing it right. It definitely is more, more than just a workout. It can be more than just a workout if you want to get more out of it, anyways. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, when you're t- teaching it in Charleston, like one thing I was um starting to see more, and I think maybe it's just me starting to pay more attention to it. But I know for a while, I always looked at yoga as something that, you know, only really white people started doing, which is kind of crazy because, you know, it didn't start there. But um, I'm wondering your experiences, like how many black people do you see not only practicing yoga, but leading it? Because I'm starting to see there's more spaces that are specific for Mm -hmm. the black community you want to practice. But um, what have you kind of seen and experienced? Well, my training was led... um, by mostly white teachers. Well, I had two Asian teachers, but um, most were white women. Um, Mm -hmm. But I I mean, I was very vocal in my training, how I felt. Um, But uh, I'm I'm lucky that they were in tune with me and and gave me space to like be honest and feel. And and that was great. Um, I'm still really good friends with a lot of the women that I went through my training with. So um, that's good. But I do know that I wish, um, one, I do know that there's not that many trainings um, focused on women of color or, or people of color that wants to be uh, yoga teachers. And when mm-hmm. I was looking for the training, there were none um, that I can find, especially in my city. You know what I mean? So I was very hesitant in signing up for any training. I was just like, I don't know. But I didn't want to do um, online. Like I said, I'm better learning in person. Um, and so a lot of it, I'm happy I did the training. Um, but then it's this thing where people feel like, hey, why do I need to be trained to be a yoga teacher, you know, to teach people? And there are people that, that are teaching um, without having a uh, official um, paper to say you're a licensed yoga teacher or whatever the case is. Um, what I do think is important is that you have knowledge about leading people physically. Um, and that just comes from being a therapist and like, you know what I mean? I feel like there is a bit of knowledge you need to know from a actual training. Now, how the trainings are priced, I think is just out of reach for a lot of people. What I would like to see more of is which some studios are doing, um, not in my, not in my city. I don't believe so. I don't know. Um, I don't do my trainings anymore in my city. I did my original trainer here. Like I said, I usually travel for my other training or, you know, um, so, but what I would like to see more of is um, scholarships for people of color um, at these studios in my city and everywhere because it, it's expensive to do a yoga mm-hmm. training. And that's why a lot of people are discouraged for doing them. One, they don't feel included, right? Being a, a person of color or black woman or whatever descent other than uh, European. 
and um, they don't feel like the space is welcoming to them. And also the price is just insane. That I don't agree with. I don't feel like it needs to be that expensive. Um, obviously, these teachers are putting together a package and dedicating time. So, yes, that's there. But I think it should be some kind of scholarship offered to people who would like to take the training, especially people, um, the minority. I think that should be there at every studio. Um, you know, even if you just do a scholarship for one or two people, if that's all you can for whatever, like, because these trainers are so expensive. If you have 90% of people paying at that top dollar that you're asking, you have enough space to offer um, a free training to someone, you know? Mm. Um, so yeah, that was my experience. I did pay full amount to, to do my training. Um, but it was only because I didn't see scholarships and I didn't see any, I didn't really see that many women of color leading. Um, and maybe I was just, it wasn't looking hard enough. I don't know. Um, and at the time when I did my training, I wasn't that active on social media like that, like I am now, you know, to be able to have access to all of this um, that is offered in Atlanta and like all over, um, you know, and led by women of color. Now, after my training and I'm like, OK, I need to do um more things online and post and this and that, you know, um, to let everyone know I'm a teacher. And this is when I started connected to so many black yoga teachers. And I'm like, dang, I'm so pissed. <laughs> I not find them when I was doing, but that's just the way things are, you know? But mm. a lot of those teachers also were led by like uh, predominantly white studios. A lot of those teachers were, or not white, Indian, you know, not a lot of them were. The women that I'm connected to now, a lot of them had white or Indian teachers. A lot of them weren't led by black teachers either. So I think even if you weren't, it's now to recognize that and also in, and just circle back around to be the leader that you were missing, right, when you did your training. If you're in that situation, I have a friends that's just done a training and they were able to do it with a black teacher because there are enough black teachers out there now leading trainings, Um yeah, I don't know when I'll be available to do a training. <laughs> I feel like I, I want to keep teaching for a while, a bit, you know, longer. Um, and it's a lot of responsibility holding a, a training. So um, to make yeah. sure you're instructing them the right way and gave them all the tools. Yeah, necessary. It, you know, you can be a t- it's different levels, right? This someone saying like, okay, I can be a high school teacher. Okay, now I'm ready to be a college. It's just different. You know what I mean? I feel like you need to work to set yourself up and prepare yourself for that kind of, and, and especially to hold that kind of space for so many people at once, you know? Um, and, you know, if my journey leads me there and then it leads me there, but, you know, I'm on a path now and I'm trying to just focus my energy where I'm at at the time. And, and when things change, then I'll move along to that. Um, and I try to just stay open to whatever is supposed to be for me. You know, if it comes, it comes. <laughs> That's right. And, yeah. yeah, I like that. I think um, it's like I'm someone who always likes to kind of envision what um, is going to be like 10 years from now and really f- focus a lot on manifestation and everything. But mm-hmm. even at the same time, you can have that detailed plan, but life is going to do exactly what it wants to do. Right. And you just have to be ready to kind of adapt and go with it. Right. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm probably one of a million people that don't put a detailed plan ever for myself. People are always like, what's your next thing? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just staying open to what's, I just, I, I firmly believe that when we set ourselves up to like, Oh, this is my goal. This is this, this is that. And I have this whole checklist. Like what about opportunity that you're supposed to have comes, but you're so like have this tunnel vision that you don't even see it because you're like, that's not on my list. That's not what I'm supposed to be doing. Honestly, I don't know. 
I mean, my, my teachers at the time at a studio was trying to push me to become a yoga teacher. But if I had said, no, I'd never see myself as a yoga teacher. I don't see any black yoga teachers. And I just kept that tunnel vision to what I was doing at the time, which was working with athletes and just doing yoga as like a hobby. Then I could have, I don't even see myself doing anything now other than teaching yoga. But what mm. if I was closed off and I remained closed off to the opportunity to become a teacher and explore that, um, even though it wasn't on my on my path, right? My path was continuing to work with professional players and maybe get a contract with a team to, you know, not just work with one or two players, but the whole team. That was my goal. That was where I was going. But now that I teach yoga, I mean, I just freaking love it. I That's love awesome. it. So I'm always trying to just stay open, you know? That's right. I like that. So to go back in time with, um, so did you go to school for physical therapy? No, I went to school for um, neuromuscular massage. And I mean, I did a lot of wellness stuff, but yeah, to work with um, athletes and and work at a spa. Yes, that's what I went to school for. But then I did additional training in sports um, treatment. Hmm. So at that time, if you remember being in school, was your mindset kind of similar to how it is now where you're just going to be open to how it comes or were you more so like, this is what I want to do? Of working with athletes um yeah no uh, i'll tell you like this is about to get way off track right now <laughs> i'm with it <laughs> yeah um no I, I when i okay so going all the way back when i was in high school i was on track to go to art school um for design um i got accepted to scad which is in savannah right. and also pratt in new york so that's where my mind was in art and uh, my mom just didn't want me to go. We had a lot of things going on in our family at the time. So I never went. Um, so there goes another thing people don't know about me is I love drawing. Like my heart is in art always. Um, but yeah, so I didn't do that. So I just chose a school. I went there. Um, and then I ended up leaving, not, not by choice only, but um, I was in a physically abusive relationship. So I left college early and moved back home um, because my life was threatened basically. Um, and going back home, I was like, okay, I don't want to just like not do anything with my life. What else can I do? But obviously I was talking to a therapist at the time. I was going through major depression. Um, so anyways, I end up meeting a good friend who is also a therapist. And I'm like, hey, I never like heard about that. Like, tell me more. And I was interested and I ended up going to school for it. I did not know what I was going to do. I was just like, I have to start my life over. Um, how can I make myself happier by helping other people? How can I serve people? Mm. I love doing that. Um, and I do see myself working in wellness. So let's see what happens, you know? Um, and I had a lot of anxiety about going back to school just because my experience was so horrible um, with my relationship with college, you know, and uh, right. the I was in. So it was a lot going on for me at the time. So I couldn't say that that was my goal. It was just like, hey, I have to complete something. I can't just lay here at home and not do anything, you know, um, no matter how depressed I was. So I guess I was a little resilient in that way to be able to come back and like make something <laughs> mm-hmm. um, after just up and leaving school. <laughs> but um, yeah, so then I did that and I began working with a chiropractor and between a chiropractor for maybe three and a half years, I got a job at the spa IOP and as a manager. And so I did that for a few years. 
I, I like working with the chiropractor and the athletes a bit more. So I went back to that. And that's why I was up into stopping it completely to be a yoga teacher. So no, my goal was to survive. <laughs> I was in survival mode, not, hey, this is what I'm doing. Sadly, like people probably think of the, this person that's like, she has so much goal. She's accomplished. I'm like, no, I just literally when I started, it was like, let's take one step at a time, one foot in front of the other. Let's try to just survive, you know? And anyone that's suffered major depression or anxiety probably know what that feels like, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know if in the moment, did you know that you were depressed? Um, after I started speaking to a therapist, but no, I still was pretty young. So it was just like, I know I'm going through emotions. I don't know how to identify what it is. So yeah, therapy helped identify what it was. Um, I never had to take any meds for it because I, I guess I try to jump on top and, and manage it. Um, and then I have a lot of praying people in my family. Like my, gra- my grandma's a pastor, so you know. <laughs> Oh, shout out to grandma. <laughs> at church, which is a lot these days. <laughs> Somebody's still praying for me. So I think that helped um, talking to a therapist. And yeah. And then, you know, my life just got back on track as far as mentally. And um, and things started going well for me. So, yeah. That's awesome. And thanks for sharing that. Because I think, um, at least I know growing up, had a completely different perspective about therapy and mental health and all of that stuff. And now I feel like I'm seeing more black people speak about mental health and their experiences with it and just all beautiful and needed. Like I've have not yet spoken to a therapist, but it's definitely something I'm interested in yeah. and I'm looking into. Cause it's like, it's not even necessarily about just kind of being like, on the last draw or anything like that or no other option it's just like a i think there's a lot of different ways like personal growth and development and reaching new growth and therapy it's just a way to do it to realize things about yourself you may have never thought of or looking at yourself in a completely different perspective so yeah and i always tell people you don't have to have be at the the edge of a nervous breakdown to go see a therapist you can be happy you can be generally happy and doing well in your career but you may just want to speak to someone that's outside of your circle that, you know, will hold space for you without you feeling judgment or, you know, it could be a career therapist too. It doesn't have to be a therapist like, Hey, I'm depressed, you know, cause a lot of people I feel think, Hey, I'm not going through anything. I'm not depressed. Like, why would I need to see a therapist? You can see, a, you can see a therapist as far as like even them being a life coach or something, you know, it's mm-hmm. different aspects. Of course I went because I was depressed. <laughs> right. And see a therapist about many things. So yeah, I encourage that. And and I think it's power in us whoever's been through those um states of depression or anxiety to speak up about it so we can normalize um, you know, mental health issues in the black community. That's important. Yes. Yes, but I think, I think the millennials now, which is including me, <laughs> are definitely all on top of um being honest. I think people want substance, right? People want honesty. They don't want this like mask that people are putting on um and i think if we all are vulnerable and just being honest with each other then we we can make it through whatever together that's right i like that um kind of making it through together right yeah i think that's key and um speaking of that i think one thing that i haven't yet been able to witness it in person um but i really like what you have built with your team with the um, 
uh, Brown Girl Talk. Because I think that itself is just a really amazing space to kind of get through things together Mm -hmm. um, with people who are maybe not experiencing the same thing, but it's a bit more like relatability. So um, could you share a little bit more about what Brown Girl Talk is? Yeah. So Brown Girl Talk is a platform. Me and my um, business partner, Christian K. Marie, um, who's a photographer, um, she's a photographer that focuses on women of color, right? So melanin women building brand. Um, and so that's what she does full time. And uh, she was a student of mine and she would come to the studio and we would chat and we automatically just connected on different levels as far as wanting to do something more for our community, um, for the black community. And um yeah, we kind of just would brainstorm every time after class. We would meet for, we would just walk across the street and get sushi or whatever. And we would just start talking about all these ideas and writing them down. I'm like, well, let's make it happen. Then it went from that to like, let's start social media. Then I'm like, okay, we have something going here. Um, obviously I work in wellness. So I've worked with a lot of women, women of color um, and focusing on mental health. So the backbone of Brown Girl Talk is normalizing mental health in women of color, um, it, it doesn't matter what you're doing as far as work. And we wanted to build this like sisterhood, this community where we feel um, comfortable holding space for each other, um, sharing and just feeling like you belong to something. What, what Christian would say she was missing was that like sisterhood, right? Once she moved um, from cities. And for me, it was just continuing to serve um the black community as much as possible because that that is what makes me happy honestly is serving people mm-hmm. um, and seeing people well and seeing people mentally well especially black women because we endure a lot and is overlooked you know um and so yeah i was just like we can create this space so we can come together and meet up and we can talk about it the first event that we had so what it is is we have this online platform a community where we share um just like um, check-ins and like quotes. And um, we have people come on as like therapists and doctors, um, black women, and we always feature black women, um, business owners, entrepreneurs, whatever, CEOs, whatever it is. Um, And we have them talk about their journey with mental health and why they love being a black woman and and just kind of setting that example for young um, black women um, and teens. Uh, and I think that's important to have that representation of uh, black women that are doing well. Right. Like sometimes we're in this light where it's just like we're angry, we're struggling. And I'm like, man, I know some powerful, badass black women and we're about to like showcase them and also tying it into what why we started Brown Girl Talk. But like what's their mental health journey and just sharing that with other people. So, you know, like you're not alone. Exactly. Like what I was saying earlier, like being depressed. If we pretend like we're not, then, um, you know, how are we going to connect to the people that feel like it's a space, but they don't necessarily feel like it resonates with them. So we just want to cover the surface of all black women, no matter what you're doing and just showing you how to or or allowing or giving you tools to um, keep your mental health first. You know what I mean? Um, And just continue to to fill your cup so we're not pouring from an empty cup, which I think a lot of black women do. Right. We work so hard. We're taking care of kids and. Um, not dismissing black men, right? But <laughs> black women, we do a lot of work. And, uh, and a lot of times we just don't get that love that we need and that support that we need. So we're, we created Brown Girl Talk to just support women, hold space for women and um, and just build that community. So our first event um, 
was here at the studio I'm at now, actually in Charleston. And we did it with the licensed therapist. And what we did is sort of like the sister circle that was an open discussion around mental health. And we did a poll of what the women wanted to talk about before the event. And from that, we picked the top five um, and we asked the therapist. And, you know, everyone felt like it was a safe space. Only women of color were there. Um, and we had my good friend Shaquille, who's a vegan chef. Like we had, you know, we try to incorporate all the aspects of wellness as far as like eating healthy and like introduce them to vegan food if they weren't eating it already. And knowing like this can taste good. Like everyone was like, no way this is vegan food. Like no way, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, wellness as far as what we put in our bodies. And then we had the therapist to hold space for everyone. Um, I mean, it was awesome. It was so beautiful where we all were like in tears, good 10 minutes into the session. I mean, it's, it's powerful um, to be able to hold that space together. And that looks different for everyone, you know? So yeah, that's Brown Girl Talk. <laughs> that is powerful. <laughs> a lot, sorry. <laughs> no, I loved it. I loved it. Oh yeah, there's, yeah, that, yeah. That, what I thought it was, was amazing. And after hearing you say it, it was just, just, proves everything I had in my mind right. Like, that is incredible. I think it is important to have, I think general speaking, it's always good to have spaces where you're represented, whoever you are and however you present yourself. But I think, um, like, this year alone, I think if you need an example of what it's like to be a Black woman, like, there's been so many things that have happened throughout this year that just proves that we all need to do more um, to and protect black women and just kind of be there and just just chill in some areas as well. I think mm-hmm. that um, I was speaking with Vanity um, Dieterville on the episode not too long ago, and it was about um, the LGBTQ community, but we're just kind of speaking about like single issue kind of mindsets and kind of taking a back seat and black women fall into that category, people who have taken a black seat to push forward other movements mm-hmm. and I think like there's still a lot to do all across the board, but now is the time to really put more energy into um, very specific lanes, including that. So really, it's cool to see that you put that together. And um, I'm wondering when, how long has Brown Girl Talk been going on? Was it, is this year the first year? Yeah, this will be a first full year in a month. Yeah, we started at the end of last year and it just started like this online and we would just slowly move into online. And then we had Mm -hmm. our first event in February, the beginning of this year. Um, And then COVID happened, but we still have a good online presence. Like it's exciting. We still connect to what we even started a book club during COVID time. Nice. A virtual book club and we featured like the authors of the book and we did like a Zoom meeting and discussing the book. So obviously, again, um, amplifying Black voices in our community and, and everywhere. Um, one uh, author we had, she's based on the West Coast, but um, we featured her and she was able to hop on the Zoom and it was powerful, you know, to hear her story. So again, focusing on Black authors, Black women authors. So, yeah. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool too, because growing up, I really loved to read, but I think, um, well, no, that's not true. I, I've read a lot of Walter Dean Myers books. Who's yeah. a black author? Um, incredible. That's one person I'd love to meet. But um, yeah, it's. I think now as an adult, I'm like revisiting reading. There are so many yeah. black authors out there. Like it's. It's not oh, like there aren't any. It's just there's yeah. like you would run out of. I don't think I could ever read all the books written by 
black no. people. No. It's it's crazy. It's a lot. And again, it's just like if you're growing up in an environment where you aren't introduced to those things, you think they're not there. You know what I mean? Right. Even doing yoga, if I wasn't, I, I thought it wasn't there, but it is. You know, we just have to dig deeper and, and keep looking. And if you're, if you can find it, then you should become what it is you're looking for, right? Ooh. So, yeah. And then oh. that's one of the reasons why I did decide to become a yoga teacher. I was like, okay, I can't find it. I, I, it's probably out there, but I don't see it. It's not in my reach right now. So, you know what? I'm going to go ahead on a journey to become a yoga teacher. So then I can be someone in my community that another black teacher or, or someone that wants to be a teacher can reach out to, which I get all the time. Black women are like, hey, I'm thinking about becoming a yoga teacher. And they're here, right here in Charleston. So it's awesome. Hey, I'm taking a quick break to share something new with y'all. If you now go to bosslogs.org, you can leave us a voice message. That's right. If you want to be a part of the show without being a full-on guest, all you have to do is go to the contact page, click the button below, and voila, magic. Leave us a voice message, call it magic. Yo, 50 points if you could get that reference. <laughs> but um, anyways, I added this because I want Boss Locks to not only be a place for myself and my guests to express ourselves, but basically a place for you to share your thoughts, questions, and experiences too. I mean, Boss Talks came from me asking questions, and I want to extend that opportunity to you, too. So, whether it's a question about natural hair, the black experience, how we even created this show, or even if you just want to say, what's up, you know, leave us a message by going to bosslocks.org slash contact and click the button to start leaving us a message. Thank you, and now back to our show. That's pretty cool. Yeah. What do you usually um say to them to any black woman or black person who wants to become a yoga instructor? Like what are the kind of the it first depends. steps? Depends. <laughs> right? Because every situation is unique, so it depends. Some some women are coming and saying, Hey, I want a career change or something like that. And the first question I ask everyone is, Are you wanting to do it because you think it's a lot of money into it? Or do you think because I think a lot of people see like successful yoga teachers like you know i post things people are like wow you're always doing things you're always like working with these big brands and but you should be focused on teaching first so if teaching seems to be what's in front like the first thing on their list <laughs> and not like hey i want a career change i just want to do this i like yoga whatever right um then i'll say well i don't know Sometimes I ask them to dig a little bit deeper and really define what yoga would mean to them or if they practice, like have a actual practice. Some people just want to be a teacher and have never even practiced before. And I'm just like, mm. you know what I mean? You should only want to lead things that you're in love with. That's how I really feel like you should not sign up to do something that you're not sure why you're doing it. You know, you have to have a why first before, you know, and if you're never even practice yoga, how like why would you want to be a teacher? Fall in love with it first. And if you have, which a lot of the women have, that's reach out. Um, normally, I'm just like, let's meet up. Let's talk, you know? And it just becomes this, like, thing when you talk all the time. And, and then a lot of them are, like, sometimes in Atlanta, all over. And they're just like, what do you think about this, Matt? And that, Matt? And whatever the case is. And, yeah, I just give my recommendations um, freely. Like, it, it makes me feel good to help people. And mm-hmm. um, that I, you know, I work with Lululemon. Um even before I became an ambassador with them, I, I taught with them. And so, um, you know, I would ask them like, hey, there's a, a new black yoga teacher or, you know, 
whatever, like, can they take a slot to teach with you guys? And that's been working well. So for me, it's just, hey, if I'm trying to lead the way, it's only by bringing people along with me and helping them out. So however I can do that, whatever it is they're asking, you know, everyone's different. Some people are just wanting to know, like, what types of yoga are out there and programs and um, where should they start? Or they're new and they don't know, they don't have a studio to teach at, you know? And so however I can help is what I try to answer to. That's awesome. And I really love what you said about um, becoming what you're looking for. Yeah. And I think about just yoga and general kind of what we spoke about when like you first came into this, you didn't see that many people who looked like you. And I think that that's something that a lot of people experience in just life and in working environments. I know um, when I started playing soccer, I did not see that many black people playing it, which is crazy because, you know, it's a major sport all over Africa, which means hella black people playing it. Yeah. And it's still like, it's still not that many black players though. Right. In soccer, uh, it it, has it changed. I don't watch soccer really. It's really depending on where you are. Like I know um, you you see more, more people with time, but yeah, it's definitely still not. um, We haven't taken that over yet, but Mm -hmm. on the way. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah. And I think that there's, something to kind of becoming what you're looking for and it's definitely not an easy path Mm -hmm. and i know um that you shared that you're joining lululemon like the how you joined um i know you're already working with them but this new role that you're taking how it came to be and all of that is kind of like an example of becoming what you're looking for so um can you share a little bit more about how you became the ambassador or one of the ambassadors for lululemon yeah. So, I, yeah, like you said, I was working with them and teaching in stores. So so a lot of teachers. And, and so how it happens is you have to have a little limit in your city or where you live and you build up this relationship with them. And not everyone they give an ambassadorship to. Obviously, they can't do that. Um, but they do to people they feel like they're very connected to or however, um, who can represent the brand the way they would want to see them i guess in their city um i don't know what the logic behind picking an ambassador is to tea but um my issue was which is an issue with a lot of companies especially fitness companies fashion companies whatever um is that i was working with them not only me but a lot of other um black um instructors and of all kinds right the trainers um i noticed that we were working with them, but I, they were here maybe six years or more in Charleston, two locations. Um, and I didn't really know what ambassador for them was. I never really paid attention to it. But when I, I got curious about it and I said, like, OK, well, you know, you guys have a lot of black um, teachers that are working for you. Not a lot, but a few. Right. A few to choose from. Um, why haven't you guys or have you guys had a person of color outside of a white person in town that's been an ambassador for you guys. Um, and the answer was no. And, you know, and I'm thinking six years and you've never had a black ambassador. Why, like, why is that? Because you're choosing me, you're choosing uh, my friends and other people that I don't quite know to teach and lead classes. So apparently you trust us, but what separates us from being what you qualify or is good enough to be an actual ambassador, right? Because when you're an ambassador, obviously, Lululemon is a huge company, right? And we're talking like, I'm sure at a 
billion dollars, probably millions of dollars, right? They're all over the U.S. They're in other countries. Everyone knows what Lululemon is. Anyone that's in wellness or fitness knows what Lululemon is, right? Um, so, yeah, because Lululemon is like the Nike of yoga, right? Um, even though they cater to men and like other clothing within fitness. But um, so it's just kind of like, man, you know, like I love that I'm working with this company, but that really sucks. And uh, yeah, I don't think I'm going to work with you guys anymore because what the what the hell, you know, <laughs> um, what does that say about me? And what does that say about my other friends who, who are busting their ass to work with you guys? But then it's like, oh, when well, we're picking an ambassador. No, 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 no. We're not going to go with the black girl. Like we're going to go. I don't know if that's where their attention was, but because no one was listed as an ambassador that was a person of color in Charleston, um, that's how, that's the way I was taking it, you know? So I told, I mentioned to them like, Hey, this is not sitting right with me. I can't work with you guys. Like, and I would like to see a change. And, you know, if a change doesn't happen, that I'm going to talk about it publicly because I, that's just not okay. Um, what they wanted to do was meet. So I met with the managing team at the Charleston Lululemon um, stores. And, yeah, we had a real discussion. And those are the things that I mentioned. And, um, you know, they owned it. So that made me happy that they didn't try to, you know, wiggle their way out of it and saying like, oh, you know, all these things. They were like, yeah, you're right. And yeah, we feel ashamed about that. And we want to make a change. Um, and they asked that I work with them to help make that change, like what I would want to see. Um, and it was a lot involved with it. But one thing was, uh, one, me not asking to be an ambassador. This happened almost two years ago. Okay. So I just became an ambassador for them. So it wasn't that. It was just like acknowledging that we also um, deserve to have like a real contract with Lululemon and not just here and there and for the holidays we're teaching in stores. But then we keep getting all these, um, you know, like white teachers getting accolades for working with Lululemon and being like having an official contract with Lululemon and like sponsored by Lululemon. And it's just like, damn, like I just work with them. Why didn't I get choose, you know, or, or was it, why was I chosen? But it wasn't for me. It was for, like all the other um, instructors that I knew were working with them as well. So you know, my thing with them was like, I'm not asking to be chosen. I'm asking for you guys to really consider the people that you're choosing for these like official partnerships. Like if you're for me, it's if you're a community company, if you're saying you're 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 um, your business is based on community, helping people feel better and like uplifted and all these things. I feel like when you give someone that much, um, I don't know. If you're if you're recognizing a teacher that much, I feel like they should be doing more than just teaching in the studio and packing a class. Because I think if you have young leaders in these companies and they're just thinking, oh, this person is an influencer, they're they're gonna look for the company, you know, and that's what you're gonna go. Oh, they pack their class. But if that teacher is just teaching and then going home at the end of the day, not even doing anything extra in their community, I don't feel like they should be recognized for that because as a teacher. You are also an entrepreneur, so you're going to push your class and try to do well in business-wise. But I feel like things like that should be given, this is just my belief, should be given to people that are going beyond what is expected of them. So if you're if you're Stephanie and you're packing, packing your class, okay, that's great, right? Because company needs money and they want you to build money and they want they want 
a following from you, who, what you've created. But at the same time, if Stephanie's just packing her class and then she's going home counting her dollars and that's the end of the day and she don't care about her community, why should be, she be recognized for that? You know, and it, I just never really understood that. And I knew personally, I was working in my community. I knew personally, like my friends that were working with Lululemon was also working hard in their community, building football um, trainings for young black men. And these things that I think should be focused on, you know, um, as a leader. And so I asked them to just shift their perspective on how they're actually choosing people for these. Rather, if, if it is a white woman, choose them because they're doing more than what you expect them to be doing as a teacher. You know what I mean? What else are they doing? Because I'm not saying that there are white teachers out there that aren't doing with it. Because I know plenty, I have plenty of friends that are going well over beyond what they should be doing. A lot of it's free. That's great. But those those weren't even the people they were recognizing, you know? So that, you know, it just didn't sit right with me. So I asked for that. Um, and I, yeah, I asked for them to really consider when they're choosing people, whether it's a black person or not. I asked them to give more of my black friends that were trainers jobs with them. <laughs> I was like, I have a list of people that wants to teach and Lululemon is a great company. How about you like let them teach your next Thursday class? And they did. They did. Um, mm-hmm. And it wasn't I was coming in trying to demand things. It wasn't that. I just wanted them to really put effort um, and, and also knowing that they have a big stage where they could um, help teachers that are struggling out, especially minority teachers, you know, and it's just like, what are you guys doing for us? Um, and they, like I said, they own it. They wanted to do more. And I saw them doing more from that point on. So, you know, kudos to them. And um, recently, before COVID happened, they asked me to be um, a ambassador, like an official ambassador in, in that they also, you know, told me that um, they were, thankful and grateful for having me around to really point out um, things and, you know, shine light on (laughs) shadows (laughs) that were being overlooked in, um, in their company here in Charleston. So that was great. And I felt like we have built the relationship. And so, yeah, I accepted it, but say maybe two years ago, I probably would have said no, probably I definitely would have said no, you know, like you guys got to do a little bit more work. <laughs> it's not. It's not that I want you to just hand out that to someone or hand out an ambassadorship. I want you to like really see that that's an issue and you need to like change that, you know. And that's what they did. So I'm happy about that. Now and they have a lot of um, workshops for people of color where it's just black teachers within Lululemon that are on there and you know being having open discussions about how they feel about work by Lululemon and then just in general in wellness. Um, and so I think they're moving in the right direction and no company is perfect right now, but I think they're moving in the right direction. Um, and they're trying to actively listen to what's being said. So yeah, that's that. <laughs> wow. That is powerful. So that conversation where you kind of, um, called them out or held a mirror to their face, that was two years ago. Yeah. Almost two years ago. Yeah. Wow. It really says a lot to the time it can take, but um, do you feel as though they took too long or could have done things faster? Um, well, I don't know how I feel about it. Um, they, what was said to me after, which 
Yeah, let's hope that. Anyways, what was said to me after was, I think some of the management team may have thought I would have turned it down and because of how I, I expressed how I felt about um, them doing it. And even when we had our initial meeting, I was saying, I'm not asking for to be an ambassador. And, and one, I wouldn't want you to try to offer me that because I would think that the timing is weird right after I mentioned it to you. So I think they were trying to give that space um, for me to be open and honest and also give them enough space, which I asked them to work on things. So for me, that's not overnight. And I express that like you can't just, you know, almost like when the Black Lives Matter thing movement, which is it's a reality that people have shifted into this movement, which is so annoying to me. But um you know, everyone's just like overnight, like, oh, yeah, our company's doing better. Bam, we're going to put up social media posts. I don't that doesn't sit right with me ever. So even back, even two years ago, it didn't sit right with me if they decided to do that. And and I was on and I was like open about that. Like, I don't expect you to try to offer it to any of these people I just listed or myself, because then that would just be fake to me. And it wouldn't mean that you actually and and, and how would you is like, how would you as the brand in, in our city do go about saying like hey yeah we did work overnight and now we're choosing someone it would take time you know it would take right. time even now like i've been posting a lot i think a lot of pe- black people have been like being very vocal especially once the um, black lives matter movements are happening like people got a whim of it and like all these white people wanted to miraculously change overnight and all this I put several posts up and one was for them to slow the hell down because you can't just wake up and, and, and racism has disappeared out of your life. Like it, it's, it's subconscious, you know what I mean? So you have to really work, like take the time to read and whatever you've posted on social media, it doesn't even matter if you didn't do the work. So as far as Lululemon or any brand, not just Lululemon, if you decide like, Oh, someone just call us out, let's just give it to someone. You didn't even do any work. Like you didn't even see where the problem was. You didn't work with your team to build a better future for, for choosing ambassadors so for me, I'm actually happy they waited um, and and they didn't do it when they did, because then that wouldn't have, you know, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been genuine. I don't think it would have been genuine. Um, and the thing is, at the time, it was a different management team. So the manager, the managers that were there left, left South Carolina altogether, but they passed the word on to the new management team. And so with the new management team, they, after they got there, they would come to my class and, and say, you know, like, Hey, we just want to let you know that we see you and we heard about you meeting with our team. And so it was just like a chain reaction. You know what I mean? It wasn't, I don't think it was forced. I don't think, I think the timing was good. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, um, you touched on a lot of things that I think is um, important for people to realize um, and more so I'm speaking about people who are in this position where, you know, for the first time they're like, Oh, black lives matter. Interesting. Um, Cause I think that it, there were a lot of posts over this past summer and it's great. It was cool, but I think I am interested in what everything's going to look like from two years from now, not just yeah. on social media, but the inside yeah that's um yeah and matter of fact I'm, I'm putting together a list of everyone who out here posting who wasn't usually posting like that yeah, companies and brands just to see, and see. <laughs> yeah you're gonna put out a little report cards see how you guys would do it <laughs> exactly exactly mm-hmm. um and then even i know even when um you know like 
I guess when when I was asked to do to be an ambassador, it was like around the time of Black Lives. Well, when I when I announced it, and people were like, not people, but few people were saying like, uh, "Oh, do you think they just gave it to you because of like Black Lives Matter thing?" Which would would make sense, right? Um, but no, right. they actually before all that happened on we get this like wave of craziness online. Um, they actually had a contract drawn up before any of that in. How they normally do it is they come to your class if if they can make it to your class and do like the surprise like hey will you be an ambassador whatever that's how they know little women normally does it mm-hmm. but we closed our studio down during that time and and they never made it so um, when I did speak to them they were, they were just like hey we want to let you know like this was not our intentions and they had like my whole team knew about it I, they were keeping a secret from me but they were trying to make it to my event or to my studio but. It, I just kept, I kept being out of town and like all these things and it can't really be a surprise. So they're like, Hey, we normally don't do this because we try to surprise people, but we keep missing you. So we have to tell you, I'm like, Oh, dang, it would be mean to like screw up. a surprise. (laughs) Happily, they were considering me obviously because we had built a relationship and before all this movement happened, which, which makes me feel good. And it shows me um, just continues to remind me that I'm doing doing yes making a positive impact in my community as a black teacher Mm -hmm. and leader hopefully you could get your um surprise party with the birthday cake and all that soon (laughs) i don't even like surprises so you know hey well then it (laughs) happened perfectly for you (laughs) (laughs) i know people are like oh no i'm like actually i don't like going back to being introverted i'm definitely like yeah so yeah so it was good it was good i mean it's interesting to be doing this in trying to promote things and whatever, where it's just online now. Um, but you know, we're, we're we're trying to figure it out just like everyone else. That's right. We're all trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I want to transition a little bit to kind of learn a little bit more about your natural hair journey. Mm-hmm. So, um, for one, like, how long have you had locks? Um, in December will be seven and a half years. Seven and a half years. Yeah. Nice. Do you remember what inspired you to start your lock journey? Um, Yeah. So uh, I was getting my hair processed at the time, which is most of my life because I had super coarse hair and it was crazy thick. And my mom was like, oh, that's a permit. So it's like easier for me to comb through. Hot combs, all that crazy stuff, right? Um, so anyways, I was, I mean, at the time I was good with that. I was like, I'm good with that. Like, you know, my hair is long and full and whatever, even though I was getting it processed. Then I started getting colored um, with the process here. And uh, I swear to you, like this one woman, I won't call her name, <laughs> bleached my hair, which I wanted to bleach. I used to wear like different highlights, colors. And because I think it was too strong with the processing and the coloring too close together, my hair started breaking off in the front. So I was like, oh, crap. Oh, no. Falling off. And I look crazy because the back's long, the front's falling off. What is what is going on? So I was like, wow. Like, I've always, one, have loved Lauren Hill music, but I've always thought she was so beautiful, like her hair. And I don't even, and some of my best friends were like, you literally love locks and natural hair since you were like in middle school right but I never shift to it because I just I don't know like I I don't know if it was a fear of how it would look I think it was just like I don't know like I like it but should I get it 
and I played a lot of sports. So it was kind of like, you know, it was a lot of things. Um, so once my hair started like falling off basically in the front because of all the processing, I found this loctician and I, and I thought like, Hey, maybe I'll just go and start this, like, see what she says. Right. So I go to her and she's still based in Charleston and who I've been going to since the start. Um, and I literally just started crying. I didn't realize how attached I was to my hair until I spoke to someone about it, you know, and she was like, yeah, we're going to figure it out. And I went, and I remember my first time going into the shop, right? This is my first time going into a natural hair. Like they just focused on natural hair. When I saw these freaking beautiful black women with beautiful natural hair, and I was just like, damn, where, where was I living at? Like, again, back to yoga, where, where was this, you know? Um, and why did I start this when I was younger? I mean, it was so inspiring. And so I was crying because I was like, my hair is like the most jacked up one in here. These women have like beautiful long locks, sister locks, afros, curly hair, everything. Right. Um, and she was like, it's okay. We're going to, we're going to get you back on track. We're going to, and she was like, well, what is it that you want? I was like, I think I'm going to go natural. I don't know. Like I've never been natural my whole life. Does that mean I have to cut my hair off? And she was like, well, I would say cut your hair off. Yeah. But, you know, not everybody's comfortable with that. So she said, well, here's what we do. We'll cut it down shorter. And then you can transition by wearing like two strand or whatever. So we would play around with like different things. And as we played around, every time I went in and I went between styles, she would just keep cutting more and more off. And so eventually I had just like natural Afro. And then I was like, okay, well, let me like go period with just playing with the Afro. So I wore that for a while, like probably over a year. Um, then I would go to her to still get shampoo and treatment and stuff like that. And I loved it. And, um, but being that I was very active still, I was like, there's no way I can like take care of an Afro every morning because my hair is so thick and coarse. Um, and so she was like, well, do you want to lock? And I'm thinking, well, damn, you know, this might be a full circle. I always love Lauren Hill and Lettucey, like, you think I would be like them? Like, if I'm going to look like them, I guess so, you know? Um, she was like, I can't promise that, but, you know, we can start. <laughs> uh, so that's what we started. We started locking it, and I, like, short locks. And after I started the process of locking it, I never, like, covered it up with, like, any extra hair or wigs or anything like that. Like, I actually love the process. When my hair was shorter, and it was just, like, because my hair is so thick, my locks was just, like, out like an afro lock basically um i just loved it i love every moment of it and i think that's why it went by kind of quick for me because i enjoyed it i didn't think it was like this ugly stage that a lot of people talk about i'm like and, and if you went from damage hair to healthy hair you're just like in love with it you know what i mean like oh my god i didn't know my hair could be so full and beautiful you know what i mean i was missing that so once i saw that and it was thriving and honestly my lactician's like the hype man of all hype bands okay like you go in and she's like you look so good today and it makes you feel good so i think that's important also to have people around you that's going to support you and tell you you look great because you may not feel that way all the time and i notice a lot of women i was just at my friend's bachelorette weekend and okay half of the women were natural mm. right that i here out but most of them wanted locks like surprise so was like wow i hadn't been around this many women at once locks but all of them were kind of like af- either afraid or like asking so many questions about it but i feel like a lot of us are surrounded by people who are like maybe work in a professional setting whatever that is um and aren't encouraged by like partners and stuff you know what i mean like they're like oh no your hair looks better straight or whatever it is i think 
is discouraging to a lot of people and they don't want to do that. I would say that for me, I have a lot of people like, you're going to look good. You're going to look great. And that's why I ultimately decided to go ahead through with it. And my lactation was great at that too. So I always felt great, you know? And um, yeah. So even working uh, while weight, because we're probably going to shift into like work with here. <laughs> I don't keep going on and on. <laughs> Been a good experience up into this point. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I would cut the end sometimes. One, because I do yoga a lot and like my hair just drags all over the place. So I try to cut the ends, but normally I don't cut. I hadn't cut really cut or colored my hair since having it. So that's it. Nice. Yeah, I'm speaking to a loctician. Shout out to your loctician, by the way. That's what's up. Yeah. That's what's up. Um, but yeah, I'm speaking to a loctician, Angie Scott, here in Atlanta. And she, um, and to actually like trimming your locks is actually a very good thing to do for your yeah. hair to keep it healthy. Yeah. So, yeah. Miss uh, Kalani Reynolds. So that way we can plug her. Kalani she's here. Reynolds, shout out to you, Kalani. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she's dope. That's what's up. So, um, you mentioned something about like um, having natural hair in the workspaces. And one thing I always like to ask people who come on is um, how do you define professionalism? Well, um, if we're if we're thinking about the definition of professionalism, it's just being qualified to do a job uh, efficiently, effectively, right? Um, and that's what I think of when I think of professionalism. It's funny how all this tied to having locks. Um, a lot of times, are natural here in in that business like world where they. I don't know how it even became a thing. Like it's not interchangeable. It's just if you can do your job effectively, which has nothing to do with how you look or how you wear your hair. So it's, am I trained or I have qualifications to lead this job? And that should be it. But I do know that there's a strong tie between the two and, and what people think a professional should look like. Right. And so I think then we start shifting what the word actually means. to so what a company is defining it to be or what it should look like, you know? Um, so that's what it means to me. If you're able to, if you have the qualifications to do your job, right, um, to lead, um, and if you can do that effectively and efficiently, that's what it means to me. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, it's it's interesting. I like what you um, tied in there with, like, how um, companies have turned into something, like how they define it themselves, because I know it's um, it's interesting how much power words have. And that mm-hmm. word right there has definitely shaped the way people perceive. And then it just adds on all these other things that they have subconsciously all around this word and what they really want around them. So, yeah. What does it mean to you? What does it mean to me? So for me, when I think of professionalism, I think of respect and how you're communicating with people around you. I know, um, I remember I was in well. Well, it's really a long story, but anyway, I was in this interview and the guy interviewing, he needed something from someone he worked with and he kind of just like snatched it. Hey, um, he didn't even say anything. He just pointed. He wasn't looking at him. Just like, come over. And I was like, man, that's the most disrespectful thing you're doing to someone who works with you in an interview where I'm supposed to kind of fall in love with a company. You're just doing this right there. Like, no, nah. <laughs> no. Yeah, you're not snapping at me. No way. So, um. Yeah, I think about the moments throughout my career journey and the things I remember the most is the way management or people who worked with you, how they respected people.
people and that's i think disrespect is something i take very like highly so um yeah yeah, yeah. this computer usually has me <laughs> yeah sure it, it means a lot it means different things to different people i was just yes, wondering it does what it means yeah yeah so i have one well two other questions for you um how can everybody find you um i'm on mostly on uh instagram <laughs> um again because i'm i'm quite uh, introvert i'm not i don't know i just feel like things should just belong to me but i do know that i teach and so now i have to have like a social life um but i'm on instagram um and it's yogi y o g i underscore mama m a m a underscore ash so yogi underscore mama underscore ash and um that's instagram and uh and it's funny because i I was talking to a friend and i was like what should my instagram name be and this was like a couple years ago and we were trying to come up with something and he said yogi mama ash you know and i'm like what no and he's like no that's a good name so i chose it and then I swear to you, months later, I was like, I hate that name. But then I was out in Charleston. People were like, you're Yogi Mama Ash, right? Like, and that's how people identify. I'm like, damn, I cannot change that name. I'm stuck with that Instagram name. Oh, yeah, no. I, I remembered your, after uh, Drusada sent me your profile, I never forgot your username. It sticks. And it's really dope. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, even if I hate it or not, like, whatever. Um, but so, yeah, that's how I became. Um, and so, yeah, I'm owning that name now. But, yeah, social media. Um, and then Brown Girl Talk. So Brown without the O. So B-R-W-N Girl Talk. And that's on Instagram as well. Me and my partner, Kay Marie, runs that account. So you can stop by and say hello. Um, as far as teaching, I teach with Still Soul Studio. I'm a yin teacher. I teach meditation. And I'm also a director over community for our studio. Um, and lastly, I teach online with Yogi Approve. Um, they're based in LA and Phoenix, um, but you can, uh, it's yoga on demand, so you can log on from anywhere. Oh, but that's th- cool. <laughs> that's cool. All right, we'll have links to all of that, everything, <laughs> everything, everywhere. Um, very cool. So um, last question, might be a tough one. Are you ready? Um, you know, I'm going to get ready. <laughs> you think about it for a bit like uh, I guess so <laughs> alright um, is there anything else that you would like to touch on before we go was that it that's it <laughs> um, I mean you know one of those things where I was thinking about and sometimes I'll say it in my class it's just like everyone wants to go on the journey everyone wants to be on the journey everyone wants to get to this destination but especially us as black people we have so much trauma we have so much packed inside that we've got generational trauma, right? Trauma from our parents and their parents and oppression and like all these things we're carrying around. And, and like Erica Badu said, you know, like we all became like bad lady and men. Like we have all this shit that we are carrying around and we never unpack it, right? That's how you do your, your mental health checks, like your therapy or whatever it is, wherever it looks like to you. Those to me are like unpacking stages that we can take to just unpack. Unpack so we have like room to fill up with the things we want in our life and the things we desire, but we can't continue to hold on to past trauma and also think that we're going to have room for new things and, and desires and wants that we're, you know, we're, we're going on a path. Let's, let's pack light. Let's let go of things so we can move forward. We can only That's do right. that by 
working working on ourselves right on an individual level um and then then doing things like this communicating connected with other black people and so we can keep amplifying each other's voices um, that's right uh, and yeah. not wait for other people to do it for us i just want money in the bank have no time for them we just pray and say amen now that is a wrap thank you so much for tuning in to the boss locks podcast where we redefine professionalism elevate black voices and prove that natural hair and professionalism do coexist now if you enjoyed today's show and want to get to know our guest a little bit more check out the links in the, in the description you'll go to our website you'll see all the different places where you can connect with our guests and while you're there Go ahead and check out the rest of your site. You know, if you're a first-time listener, this is the best place to learn more about Boss Locks and everything that we've got going on. And also in the description will be a link on how to support our show. That's right. You know, I know you've been asking for a while about the the best ways to support our show. And I've dropped a few things here and there, but I finally put together a little something on our site with all the different ways that you can support us by joining the Boss Locks Village, which is our Patreon page, um, joining the Working Wall Black group, and just continuing to spread the message. Matter of fact, if you want to know the best way to support our show is by telling a friend to tell a friend i mean it's um this these are shows with a lot of gems and advice that i truly feel will help people um pursue growth whether you're a black professional or not this is information that's basically free game and i think um the more people who hear it the more people who will be able to help really support the change that we need today and in the future so once again thank you for listening and i'll see you next tuesday for our next episode if I pull up in a German, I, I want the best version. Trying to kill bills like Uma Thurman, Uma Thurman. Money in the bank, money in the bank. I just want money in the bank, money in the bank. I just want money in the bank, money in the bank. I just want money in the bank, I just want money in the bank.